This is the Copper Crab Podcast. I am Cheney Crab. I am Naveen Copperwise. It is new song day. There's a new Entheos song out. Uh, if you're listening on Twitch, it comes out tomorrow. We're putting the video out at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. If you're listening to this on Spotify then or anywhere else, then the song is out on Spotify. But it's also coming out tomorrow, today, November 30th, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Metal Blade's channel. It's called In Purgatory. We're really stoked on it, so check that out. Um, we're also Pause the podcast and go listen to it. Yes. If you haven't heard it yet. Yes. I promise. Then come back to the podcast because this right is going to be a great one. Um, also, we're playing Whitechapel's annual Christmas benefit show in Knoxville, Tennessee at the Mill and Mine on December 22nd. We're also shooting a live video there, so come and check it out. Um, so, yeah, today, without much further ado, our guest is Mark Garrett of Kardashev and Cardivox Academy. How's it going, man? Well, that's me. What's up, everybody? How you doing? <laughs> yeah, man, How's good. everybody feeling today? <laughs> we're feeling good. How are you? How have you been? Oh, uh, I mean, net positive. It's been a net positive. Uh, it's like I barely, honestly, to be truthful, remember much of what's happened in the past two months. Because for anybody who doesn't know, we've got a two-month-old at home. Um, oh wow! And, yeah. Uh, so like. Yeah, it's like work, sleep when you can, uh, <laughs> do some lessons, you know, just like high five your wife, be like, hey, remember me? <laughs> um, Are you sleeping through the night? <laughs> but it's been, it's been, uh, I mean, well, see, I'm kind of a night owl, so it kind of works out. I take like the first shift, which is from like 9.30ish to like 4 in the morning, mm, okay. and then she takes over from there so i usually go to bed i'll go to bed from like two i'll go to bed around 2 a.m which is normal for me that's when i normally normally go to bed anyway um so like sort of it's all very interrupted and like any of my students who have my first morning slot they they know that i'm just gonna be like all right so yeah. you gotta open <laughs> your jaw what you know what i mean do you drink caffeine but it's good uh <laughs> So, um, I really shouldn't. And <laughs> currently I'm, I'm off it. Cause I, I have both stomach issues. Like I have stomach issues, um, like t chronic stomach issues that caffeine just doesn't help. And, um, caffeine wrecks my voice. Absolutely oh, wrecks my really? voice. Really? And I had, oh yeah, a hundred percent, like, wow. like not good. And, um, I had quit caffeine almost entirely for about eight or nine months because um, I just wanted my singing voice to be better, and sure enough, it worked. And then Evan was born, and I was just like, brah, brah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I bet. Well, I've so actually been yeah, uh, off bad. caffeine for probably about a month. That's A month? Yeah, I think so. Maniacal. I can't do it. I love coffee It's hard, much. dude. Yeah. You get tired sometimes. It's hard. Uh, like, there's this thing called being tired. I just like, I like that like buzz that you get off of coffee yeah. though. It's not just the, the being tired thing. It's the nice jolt in the morning that can kind of get you through a bit of the day. I just yeah. enjoy that. But yeah, it levels off though. After, um, I've found that after like a couple weeks, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of, I feel, um, like level most of the time. And then I just, I don't really get really tired or really hyped up i'm kind of mm -hmm. just 
in this weird middle ground all the time. Right. And then I just lay down and fall asleep instantly. Yeah, that that's night. true. Like peacefully. Well, yeah. Mark, do you have a, so do you do vocal lessons every single day? Uh, most every day. Yeah. Most every day. I like take Saturday off. Um, but, uh, even Saturday I'm, I'm usually doing something, but yeah, I mean, usually it's, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all a mess. I'm usually doing between three and six a day, um, Whoa. Sunday through Friday. Yeah. Sunday through Friday. And, um, they're kind of scattered, you know, <laughs> they're kind of scattered, but we've got, we've, we've got a good chunk of students. So they, they keep me busy, which is good. So is but it, yeah, usually from, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. From like, like from like about 10, like about 10 AM my time to like five off and on, but I space them out so I can help my wife. So like, I'll do like one at 10 and then I'll have three, a three hour block and then I'll do two. Then I have like a hour long block. So it's, it's not like back to back. Um, it's, it's split up so I can do other things in between sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's the joy of having your own thing, your own job, something that you can just plan whenever you want. It's really, that's awesome that you can do that. But I'm, so I'm curious because I've, I have done a few vocal lessons before and it's just not something that I am interested in mm. because I just, I don't know what, what made you want to do that in the first place? Like, did you start off singing when you were young and you just got into it through taking lessons or Mm. <clears throat> so it's there there are a few answers and i'll i'll keep it concise but this is a good segue into my first uh answer which is that i'm a naturally long-winded dude and i just have a propensity for over explaining things and in many arenas of life that is not useful and many people <laughs> find it annoying but it's in a lesson where people are paying you yeah yeah well podcasting would be podcasting would be great because <laughs> you know there's a lot of talking and <laughs> You know, in a lesson where people are paying you for for instruction, they want you to talk a lot. So it just kind of seemed to work. Um, but yeah, I just you know I had sung a little bit here and there as a as a kid and a teenager, and then I got really into uh, really into uh, metal vocals um, around like twenty. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly when it was. I was in college. College was a college was a blur for many reasons. <laughs> um, but but um, the real reason I the real reason I, I started doing the uh, uh, the vocal lessons was because I was kind of just sick of doing like dead end, like call center jobs. That's what I was doing mostly. Um, and we did a, I did a vocal play throughout in the woods of one of our songs and it's like, not good. It's like, <laughs> like, it like, like Cheney, if you were to go watch it, well, if either of you were to go watch it, Wait, you'd be like, man, now that you're like, saying this, I totally remember. I watched it. Did it did it like go viral or something? This is a, this was years ago, right? Maybe like three or four years ago. Yeah, probably closer to five. Um, it had been up for a while. Yeah, I, think and, yeah, I don't. I totally I don't, saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it went viral, but it was received really well, and which is wild because like it's bad. Um, <laughs> but like everybody was like, "Oh, I'd love to learn how to do this," and I was like, "Well." This is like if they think that that sounds good, then the bar is pretty fucking low. Um, and uh, this might be my out. This might be the way that I can get out of like corporate America and uh, and uh, you know not not work such a grindy job. And so, I tried it out and it it worked. So you kind of had the idea to do 
vocal uh, coaching and lessons f- like full time from the very beginning? Like you were, uh, you were like, I'm gonna go for this. Well, <clears throat> I'm I'm a very cautious fellow, um, so it wasn't <laughs> like I'm 100% going for it. What I did was I actually started. I took on um, a couple students for free. And I, cause I, I, you know, I didn't really feel good about charging people money until I knew that I could actually teach yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, cause if I'm just right out the gate, <laughs> accepting people's money and they're not getting any better, you know, well, I'm kind of a jerk in that case, but I yeah. taught for free for a while. And then I taught for really cheap and I taught just locally. I taught, um, <clears throat> one of my first students was a really cool guy, a vocalist of a local band called Apocalypse Pony. Um, they're pretty good actually. Like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty solid. Um, and then I just did like little things on the weekends. Like I'd have like six lessons on like a Saturday or something. And then I sat down and I did the math and I was like, you know, from doing like a couple lessons on the weekend and maybe two during the week, I'm making more money and I'm not even charging a lot than I do at PayPal. Why am I working at PayPal? And then, so I was like, okay, there we go. Took the leap. That's awesome. I mean, that's the hardest thing to do is take, take that leap and just go for it. You know, Absolutely. and once you do that, you're sort mm. of left in a position where you have to you either sink or swim. You have to figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. I had I mean, I had to make it work. And, you know, my my <laughs> I took the plunge <clears throat> when uh, the pandemic was was kind of ramping up. And so I was like, you know, well, we weren't married at the time tam- at the time. But I was like, hey, sweetheart. Um, So check this out. I got an idea. What if right now when everybody's getting, uh, you know, financially screwed over, I quit my job <laughs> and start vocal coaching? And uh, she was actually really supportive. She That's was cool, really, man. really supportive. We had to talk about it. And I I saved up. It, this part took a while. But I saved up like, um, I think it was like three months of expense. Uh-huh. Uh, there before, we go. Just so if, yeah, smart. if yeah. it didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, I had a net. That was her. That was her requirement. She was like, she was like, I'll support you in your dream here but like we got to meet these criteria and i was like that's fair that's totally fair that's really smart on her Mm -hmm. part as well i mean she's she's way smarter than me it's just (laughs) factually true well that's pretty cool yeah i was because i was actually wondering how you uh would structure like a i guess like a protocol or like a curriculum for doing the vocals but it sounds like the way that you did that was just by doing it for free and kind of there's not as much pressure to put something together or be really um, useful, I guess. Cause I know what you mean. Like I, I give lessons here and there, but I'm not super dialed in with it. And that's kind of why mm. I was asking the question, like, did you, has it become really a structured thing now? Or are you still kind of like, Hey, what do you want to learn? And then you teach the guy what they want to learn. Yeah. So mm. the, the way that, the way that I generally go about it, you know, before I started, I did create like a curriculum, you know, and then I kind of realized that nobody follows it because <laughs> people, people come in at different places. People come in with different uh, difficulties. And so like writing it out helped me just like kind of conceptualize everything I know and put it on paper and also see the gaps in my knowledge. When I first started, I was like, hmm, there are some areas that I need to be a little bit more educated on. So I, you know, took some time for some study there. Um, But uh, I did have like a curriculum. And then after like two months, I was just like, this is a guideline at best because, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got such crazy different needs. And it's teaching, in my experience anyway, teaching people has been a lot less about like putting them through, putting them on like the conveyor belt 
of of what I know and more so like just responding to their needs in real time and helping them put words to things that they don't don't fully understand, which is that's that's the real difficulty of it. It's not like, you know, it's not like the technical terms are like, you know, ooh, that's a false quarter, it's a fry. It's like seeing your student understanding where the gap in their knowledge is and then being able to translate it in a way that makes sense. That's yeah. that yeah. part is very tricky sometimes, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I bet. I think for drumming it's a lot easier that like that component I'm actually pretty good at and just mm. in terms of like judging technique and that sort of thing. Uh, I, th I feel like I have a good knack for it, but yeah, I think just having a good starting point for each category, I guess is what I'm looking. I think that would probably be the best idea. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. You kind of, if they want to know a fry chord or a guttural, you're like, well, let me open up the guttural file and boom, you know, we can start going there. <laughs> kind of like that, that kind of a vibe. Yeah. That, how you, yeah. Well, what do, what do most, most people yeah. come to you trying to learn? What is What do you think is the most... Do they focus kind of on like fry and false chord because those are sort of hot terms now? Yeah, yeah. They they really are. I mean, they've, they've been, they've been hot, hot buzzwords for a while. And rightly so. I mean, sometimes I like to post, poke fun at the, at the dichotomy, but it is very useful <laughs> and important. Um, I agree. I agree. So the... Yeah... The vast majority of people come to me for false chord because that's most of what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I teach I teach fry students. They do they do pretty well. But it's like as far as like me as a vocalist, I'm doing ninety percent false chord <laughs> stuff, and I'm very transparent about that on the channel. So that's what most people come to me for. I get a handful of fry, and I get some people who come to me for clean singing lessons. That's really rare. Um, and I usually have like a conversation with them first because like. I, I do sing and I can give singing lessons, but I really got to make sure, like, I, even though, like, on Liminal Right, I sang a lot, I think of myself as a harsh vocalist first. And so if they're like, you know, I want to do, like, air raid belts like iced earth, I'm like, okay, that ain't me. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. go, go over here, go over there. And, you know, sometimes I'll direct people in a, in a different way. Um, but yeah, it's mostly it's mostly false chord vocals. It, it's an easy it's an easy entry point on metal vocals as well. Kind of to what you were saying, Devin, like starting points. False chord is an easy starting point for most people. Uh -huh. Totally. And so, um, I guess another thing I was curious about is: so, are you basically is this what you're trying to do? Are you still gonna? You guys want to tour with Kardashev, your band, or is that just kind of uh, a musical outlet at this point? Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting. It's kind of tough because like you all, well, you both know about this way better than I do because uh, your your tour experiences, <laughs> mine is nothing. Okay. Mine is nothing. But it is it is very hard to make touring like lucrative if you don't have a like a like a history in it. You don't have like a reputation. Yeah. 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 And you got to eat us, shit for a while. You know. Yeah, it's the e the eating shit process. Totally. <laughs> we all know about it for sure. It's rough. Yeah. And I, it, I mean, for a long time out there, you're going out and you're getting guarantees that probably barely pay for all of you to eat dinner yeah. most nights and, and uh, let alone get gas to the next place. Yeah. You know, metal bands, especially when they're starting out, are living on uh, no money, essentially, right. and in a van for a long period of time. So the older that you get, the harder it is to yeah. go and do that and come home with 
basically nothing and you know if you have a partner or just have appealing. bills or whatever yeah it's not as appe- it's not as appealing mm-hmm. that's i mean that's 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 entirely what it is you know our drummer runs his own business he lives in canada he has three kids i have one kid um you know nico our guitarist he he you know his his dad is mostly independent but he he has to look after his dad because his dad's you know elderly and 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 needs some support so for us to tour right now the the sacrifice is both monetary and otherwise it's it's just hard to see it being worth it we have we have talked a little bit with some uh some people who run certain festivals and things about getting on like the festival circuit and that that is it's possible um again it just it has to kind of be worth it. I think a festival would be easier because like I could justify a festival as like, okay, well, I'm just going to go on a quick vacation. And if we, yeah. if we break even, or if we're in the red a little bit, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, as long as it's stateside, like we got, we got an offer for, uh, for Euroblast, which I was floored by, but we did. And then we just ran the numbers and we were like, there's no way. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, really we appreciate hard. it. But there's just, Mm -hmm. oh totally and unfortunately you know sometimes you have to make decisions like that uh, when you're in a band and euroblast that's a crazy festival but i mean it costs how much wait so you said one person's in canada where is nico at where does nico live so nico lives uh actually lives like about 20 minutes uh west of me Uh, thankfully everybody else is here in everybody else else is here in arizona and then alex our bassist he's on tour with his other band holy fawn all the time and so it's hard to it's hard to kind of um what am i trying to say uh schedule yeah yeah schedule oh, yeah. that and actually so i was catching myself up on some copper copper crab okay. uh, in preparation for this <laughs> right. and i was something something you said uh i think it was the most re- recent episode naveen you were like i feel like if you go two months without playing a show you're you go back to being somebody who's like never played a show in their life yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> I haven't played. I haven't played a. I've like jumped on stage uh, on stage with some people who have come through town and things like that. Done a guest spot here and there, but I haven't done a proper show since 2016. Okay. Wow. So like, yeah. oh yeah, that was the other reason. I was like, I'm gonna go from that to Euroblast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. When you have that time off, you're basically oh. just a normal person again. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I feel right now, uh, for sure. But yeah, so I yeah. mean, it sounds like you're not like losing any sleep over not being a touring musician, basically. I mean, you guys, it sounds like you guys got a good thing going. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, my, my favorite part, honestly, my favorite part of, of being a musician and being in Kardashev is just the sharing of music with people. And, yep. you I know, agree. not not just getting the feedback, although that's part of it, but like knowing that you're creating something that people care about. Um, yep. That's cool. That's a cool feeling. And as long as we're doing that, as long as our audience is growing and we're sharing music with more people, at the end of the at the end of the day, I'm pretty satisfied. Like Absolutely. I'm pretty satisfied to be honest. Yeah, that's awesome. You know. So I was going back to Cardivox Academy. I was curious how long did it take you to get from from like well, you didn't start out doing reaction videos and things like that. So did the channel come along after you started doing lessons? Was that just a byproduct of trying to get more people to take lessons from you and that's how the channel came about and you reacting to videos and stuff like that yeah so 
that's that's actually a, a fun that's a fun question. So the channel at first was a bunch of like really shitty tutorial videos, and it was mostly just like for fun. Like I had seen the react, I had seen the response to that playthrough I I talked about, um, and I was just like, oh, I'll put up some tutorial videos because I'd seen other people doing that, like you know Mary Z, uh, she was doing that on YouTube a lot at the time, and I was like, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a crack at it, um, but. The idea for the reaction video was my business partner's idea. Um, my business partner, well, he lives in Canada now. At the time, he lived out in the UK, and uh, he he had created some some projects. He had a he had a hand in the creation of uh, the band Sleep Token, and so he basically reached out to me and he's like, "Hey, you know, here's kind of like what I've done, and I want to kind of help you make this work." what do you say? And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And he was like, I want you to do reaction videos. And I was like, Bleh. um, <laughs> I mean, that would be my, I, that I was, would be my initial reaction as well, because reaction videos at first to me were just like people overreacting to, uh, to a song yeah. and not really not going in depth with them and kind of critiquing an aspect of them like what you're doing. Yeah. They, they're, they definitely weren't something that like I regularly enjoyed, um, you know, for, for similar reasons. Although like, you know, to a degree I get it right. You know, like it's a lot of fun to show your friends things and have your friends like things. And, you know, kind of doing that with like a more entertainment reactor kind of has like that parasocial bond. So like, I, I get sure. it, but it just wasn't for me, but he was like, he was like, dude, just try it. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, you know, try it once, you know, try everything once. Yeah. And uh, the first reaction we did was uh, Cattle Decap after Death Atlas came out. And uh, it, it it was just a lucky thing. It went, I guess, I don't really know what constitutes viral, but Me it was either. our first video and it got like 60,000 views. And I remember being like, what the fuck? Uh, well, our first reaction video, our first reaction yeah. video. I just remember being like, what the hell is going on here? And so like that was kind of the answer. I was like, okay, we... We do reaction videos now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's such a great idea. I think Channy and I talk about kind of uh, the, I mean, uh, the business side of what people who are kind of like coming from the metal community can do to make a small business. And I think that's kind of cool looking at your thing like on a 360. It's it's It seems like each thing kind of, uh, feeds off of the other thing and you have like a cool just uh i don't know a compound Synch if you will synchronicity yeah. academy i guess you could call yeah. it yeah that's that's actually a really good uh point that you're touching on because um like kind of triangulating yeah from the two points that you've both made like what sorts of business things can metal bands do and then also metal bands kind of have to eat shit for a while <laughs> it's like it's it's almost like if you're going to be in a metal band you kind of have to have like a side hustle almost yeah. which is yeah. kind of crappy but it's like kind of true um and i think a big part of that is having the right people around you um because like it may look different on the on like on the outside but like my like my business sense is okay it's all right <laughs> Um, but you know, having my business partner to help me out is really helpful. Also, um, you know, Nico, the guitarist mm -hmm. in Kardashev, he, he runs, he runs Kardashev like a business and he, he, he lives on that. You know what I mean? And so it's okay. like, uh, I take a lot of advice from him. I take a lot of advice from him about like storefronts and things. So like, it really is helpful to have good people around you for sure. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Most oh definitely. yeah. 
That's totally true. That's uh, it. That's the most important part. You can have as many ideas as you want, but having people help you execute them. That's really yeah, and you important. have a little bit more. Uh, there's a little bit more at stake. Like I know there's been a couple times where Chaney and I were like, let's just not do the podcast today. But then <laughs> we've got Harrison coming over every week, you know. And yeah. so we're, what are we going to call him up and be like, don't come over, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like we got to do it, man. Yeah. He's coming over. You have to have a person there to tell you, no, we're going to do this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you that he he pushed you into doing vocal reaction videos, and they're awesome to watch. And yeah. now you have a following. I did one with you a few weeks ago and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Mark has a, it's a following of people who look forward to you telling them or analyzing what vocalists that they're into are doing. I think it's an awesome idea. Just for me, like I was saying, I just am not really into certain reaction videos, but these are interesting to me because I feel like as a vocalist, I can hear from you and hear you analyzing Mm. things and I learned things like there was something I learned from one of your videos and it was like, um, God, I can't remember what the name of the vocal is, but it's something that a lot of people are doing now where you have to kind of get a voice that's like, oh, oh, this is this. Oh, yeah. And then you push it. I, what is that called? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're talking about like that Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Like that sort of sound. Um, and so I like I. I I think the names, I don't really know what to call it. So I just call it like an arytenoidal scream or an arytenoidal compression. Technically, technically, what's happening is some protrusions from the arytenoid cartilage called the cuneiform cartilage are rattling around. But like nobody wants to listen through all that like mumbo jumbo. <laughs> so I just call them arit- arytenoidal screams or like orc grunts or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There we go. But um, it is like, it is a big thing that like, a lot of vocalists do and that's really helpful and i you know i didn't actually know that that's what i was doing until probably like five or six years ago Mm -hmm. um and i was like you know this kind of sounds like kermit the frog if i just talk versus scream and now here we are making like a hey everybody kermit the you know it's like very it's like a it's like a very like travis ryan like like travis ryan is my favorite metal vocalist of all time, mm-hmm. of all time. And he does a lot of screams where he's just like this, body, body, body. like totally. he's basically just doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it all just kind of made sense. I was just like, oh, this is all, it's all, it's all coming together, you know? Totally. But yeah. Well, where did the initial, I'm glad I could help. Yeah. Thank you. Where, where did the initial knowledge come from? Did you study vocals? He went to vocal college. Oh, you Duh. went to vocal college? No, I'm just did kidding. you go to, yeah, oh i thought that i I thought that i missed you saying that because i know you said you went to college i was like oh fuck did he go to (laughs) metal vocal college i did go to college no um i so i went to uh nau northern arizona university and i went for speech therapy and uh in linguistics so So i actually yeah i don't actually (laughs) I'm sorry. Say that again. So my my joke's not funny great. anymore because you actually did go for <laughs> vocals. Hey, your joke was great. I love it. Um, but uh, so I don't have like a traditional music like like background in like music or, or or vocal performance in that sense. So like sometimes people will talk music theory and I'm like, yeah, like four four sucks. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I learned a lot about the the muscles of of the voice the behavior of vocal folds uh the turbulence of of airflow through the different chambers in our voice you know i learned a lot about all of those types of things and so i was kind of able to 
take that knowledge and then like i was totally the weird kid on campus who was like kind of scuzzy looking and like walking around with like i still like well it was an ipod at the time walking around with my ipod like you know sort of whisper screaming to job for a cowboy (laughs) (laughs) you know like i was totally i was totally that guy at the bus stop and um yeah i just kind of put it together and i kept reading and i kept studying and uh there's still like i still feel like there's so much i have to learn and so much i have like like that i could know Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, I definitely learned it. Yeah. Mostly from like, uh, speech therapy. I got really sick and I didn't finish the degree. So I'm not like a speech therapist. Sometimes I'll see people talk about Cardivox Academy or whatever online. They'll be like, Oh, he's a practicing speech therapist. And I'm like, this is not true. <laughs> I am not a doctor. Um, no, but, uh, yeah, that's where it came from. That's where it came from. Well, you got really sick. What happened? So, haha. Um, gotcha. that's when... <laughs> That's when my brain decided to tell me I have uh, actual obsessive compulsive disorder. So I got too scared to leave my apartment for like three months. Oh wow! Um, really? What's the What's the name of that? There's an actual term for that. Uh, agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah. You're agoraphobic. Agoraphobia. Yeah. So I had a. Uh, I got. Uh, I didn't really know what it was. It was at the time, but I got like, <clears throat> yeah, really delusional um and uh like a lot of just bad stuff going on in my head so i I basically failed because like in my senior year when when i would have i mean i still have to do some like uh some uh observations and like internships the wrong word but like you're basically an intern uh at like hospitals and stuff i still had all that to do but i was pretty close to graduating maybe like a year and a half away and um i just failed because i stopped going because i was too scared to go Wow. I was convinced of, I was just convinced of all sorts of like crazy, crazy, crazy things. So how did you, and uh, then, it seems like you're pretty normal now. So how'd you, uh, get over that? So, <laughs> well, I still, I still actually, I still actually deal with a lot of, with a lot of, uh, that stuff. I just, you know, have learned how to cope and how to, uh, how to work around and with it. Sometimes, sometimes like I do have like, times where i deal with a little bit of like uh paranoid like delusions um like about a year and a half ago and it doesn't last for very long now i had a night where i we had finished watching my wife and i had finished watching the wire which is a great show and um at the end of the wire i won't spoil it because if anybody wants like if you're watching the if you're if you know you're in chat and you haven't watched the wire you really should it's a great show really good um but at the end of the show it deals with like a serial killer and um like then i was like washing dishes and listening to like a true crime podcast and then for whatever reason my brain latched onto that and i believed just for a couple hours that the government was coming to arrest me in that moment because they believed that i was a serial killer and like a helicopter flew overhead and i fucking lost it and like i was sitting on the couch and like my hands were shaking and my wife was like the government doesn't think you're a serial killer you're fine so it's still like i still do have like a couple breakdowns like a year um which are very brief they're very brief but um how i got it's how do you how do you work through that it's uh yeah these are some long stories which i'm happy to share all this stuff none of it's private or anything um but uh, part of it was I had part of it was I had to go to the hospital. Um, I spent some time in a, in an inpatient uh, psychiatric ward for about a week um, when I was working a, a different job. And uh, yeah, I don't know. For me, like hitting that rock bottom really helped. 
How I guess. Well, how long was it before you before you hit rock bottom? How long were you going through having delusions? Oh, uh, so the delusions were the delusions were kind of it's 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 always been off and on. It's like either like delusion like delusions or like like more like traditional obsessive compulsive disorder or just like a lot of depression. Um, and that depression had been ever since I was a little kid. Um, just ever since I was a little kid, you know, I, I would have periods where like I was just, you know, depressed, mm -hmm. um, for, for whatever reason. And, uh, so it had been off and on my whole life, my longest depressive episode, which like, I'm, I'm way better now. I'm way better now. I would have um, never guessed any, any of this as <laughs> your, when you said you were sick. Well, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's what it was. Um, my longest depressive episode was while I was in college and that lasted about two years. It was about half of my, uh, half of my college career. Uh, I was basically just a sad boy. Yeah, that's um, devastating. So, but you know. It 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 was. I wrote some damn good lyrics, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> or I should say, I wrote I wrote some I wrote some damn good journal entries. Basically, like our album Peripety um, is just a bunch of old, not entirely, but much much of it is old journal entries from when I was in uh, college and like super depressed and just like in my apartment by myself, repurposed for some songs. So like there is some good that came out of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the. I just I hit rock bottom and I went to the to the hospital and my wife we weren't married at the time but she was like super supportive like she she I remember one thing she said to me and like this was probably like a very pivotal thing for me she said she said I want you to know that I don't blame you for being in here and that you, I'm going to be here when you get out and I'm going to visit you every day and if you need things I'll bring them to you and I still love you but this can't be a pattern so while you're in here you focus on getting better or don't come out. Um, and I was like, damn. I remember in the moment <laughs> being like, shit, she does not, she does not fuck around. Yeah. Um, that's and, powerful. Uh, that was a really know, important that's thing. Amazing. That probably helped, uh, yeah. gave you something to want to get better for. Yeah, it's sort of a light yeah. at the end of the tunnel type thing. Yeah. It was. And, you know, there were people... And like, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to cast judgment on anybody because you, you like the, the people I knew in there, I knew for barely two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there were people there who it seemed like this was just kind of the pattern of their life. And like, there, like this one lady, she was like really, really nice. And she was like, oh yeah, this is the only place I'll come when I'm having, having a rough time. I'm here. I'm in here about three times a year. And I remember being like, that's not going to be me. Like, yeah. I'd like. I don't know, like I'm in here once. This is a one time deal in my life. And it like I still I still definitely do struggle with some stuff, but it's way better now. It's way, way, way better now than it ever was before, for sure. Did it take going through therapy after that, or it was strictly being there, spending the time there? You know, I, I think it was mostly being there. I've I've not really had like good experiences with therapists, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I'm like under therapied, I guess maybe would be the term, but like I found, uh, you know, I don't know. I would just find therapists and they would just be jerks, you know? Yeah. Um, like I remember one therapist, the, the one that just made me say like, you know, I'm over this. Um, which like I, I wouldn't encourage anybody else to give up on therapy. I did, but you shouldn't. Well, I you know, think the whole way. the whole point is to find 
you either find a therapist who fits with you or you, you know, it has to be someone who you jive with. Otherwise, you're not going to get yeah. anything out of it. Yeah, you know, you're right. And she like the most recent one, I say most recent, this was years ago. She was like, it was our, our first meeting. And she's like, uh, asking me these questions, which is totally normal for a therapist. And she says, she says, well, what, what religion are you? And I was like, oh, none. I'm, and she's like, you don't believe in God? And I was like, no, I, I mean, I'm an atheist, I guess. I don't really even think about that. And she, her response was literally like, hmm. And I was like, this is our last meeting. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was, it was just like a straight, it was like the way she asked it, she was like, well, what's your religion? And like asking somebody, a patient, if they're religious, I can see that making sense. But like the way she asked it and then just like the strong like spurn when she found out I was an atheist, she just. Yeah, that just nah. seems like someone who would like, be judgmental of you the entire time that you're there. Why would you want to spill yeah, your heart to that person? Yeah. And and so I was and, and at that point I was done with it. But, you know, I think. I also think that for me, a lot of it, not all of it, of course, but a lot of it was the situation of like my life, like the, ever since, ever since going into business for myself, I don't really deal with depression in the same way anymore. Um, just because like, I don't know, like a lot of the, the like hard depression came from feeling of like a feeling of like lack of mobility, Yeah, which yeah. I know like you know, I've got, I've got it a lot better than a lot of people. And I have a lot of inherent mobility that other people don't, but, um, you know, at the same time, like, you know, you're just, you're just kind of inundated with this idea of like, you have to provide you, you are your work, you know, like you're a man. So you got to like have a briefcase and, and be like doing like big business meetings and stuff that a lot of us get growing up. And then, you know, you can't afford to pitch in for groceries. I don't know why, but it just threw me. Uh -huh. And just like job after job of being mediocre. I don't know. It's just yeah. my, my poor little brain just couldn't handle it. So switching, like changing my life around, really like making life changes for myself, that, that went a long way. And I think that that was probably honestly what I needed more, than, more so than therapy was just giving myself a healthier relationship with the world around me. I feel like that is was, a huge a thing that not a whole lot of people talk about. And that's just like with my own just sort of, you know, little bouts with depression or uh, mental downs here and there. It's for me, it's usually something's wrong in my life and I need to change it. And then I, and I don't want to mm. face up to that fact. And so it really bugs, uh, bugs me. So I think that that is cool to hear you say that, that you kind of had to shift your life around to, to get back to a healthier place. And I feel like that's, that's a harder thing to do than just say like, oh, I want, you know, medication or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I think I'm not necessarily like, I don't know, like I can only say what worked for me and what I needed to do in, in my life. I feel sometimes, I feel sometimes people have a mental illness or have had instances of mental illness. And then that makes them think that they are now experts on mental illness and they should tell other people how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any idea how anybody else should deal with it. Um, yeah. Well, everyone, everyone's mind is um, so different. Everyone, the, yeah, your body yeah. operate, your body chemistry, everything op we all operate so differently that it's hard to speak from that place. This is how I dealt with something mm -hmm. mentally and this is how you should deal with it. It's just, you, you can't do that. Everyone is 
so different and everyone's going to have a different way. And for some people, medication is the answer and they can't like, you know, the mental getting themselves in a better mental capacity and changing jobs isn't the shift they need. So Mm. that's important to say as well, for sure. Of course, of course. Yeah, I just mean sometimes sometimes a life change can go a long way. Totally. For For me personally, that's what it's always been. Well, it's like you were saying about the, the lady that you met um, when you're at the psychiatric in the psychiatric ward that sometimes it is like you, your mind speaking to yourself or getting locked in these um, patterns and just sort of existing in the pattern and not choosing to say, I'm never coming back to this place again, because sometimes that for sure is the thing. And I'll notice that about people in all kinds of different things, not just with their mental state. They'll get stuck in patterns that aren't necessarily good for them, but they just accept that that is their life and that there isn't a way out. When in reality, I think that if you change the way that you look at things, then there is a way out of a lot of situations that we may view them as not having that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 this is this is kind of a... I don't know. This is a take that I think sounds insensitive and I I don't mean it to, but like at the end of the day, really, no matter what your situation is, um, the only person who can decide to be better is you. 100%. You may need, you may need some outside help. You may have a lot of disadvantages that make taking action on that decision really difficult. So it's not just like, I would never be the kind of person who's like, well, just decide for your life to be better. No, so, so many people have so many barriers, right? Right. Um, but so, but one thing that is true is that no matter who you are, no matter what your situation is, if you don't want it to get better, it can't, it yeah. won't. And so like, that's, that's always where I have difficulty. Like if I see people who are stuck in patterns of behavior, but they are like, they really do want something different for themselves and they really do try, but they just, they have a lot of like maybe economic barriers or, or social barriers. Well then, you know, I'm not going to hold any fault to them, but if somebody like they're, they're never actively doing anything to, to make their lives better. I don't know. I wouldn't even hold them at fault either, but I also would just be like, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't have that energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's not going to change unless you want it to. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. that. Um, should we take some questions? We've been on for about 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Let's take... Yeah, so, Mark, we take questions. We have them in our Discord. Um, actually, before this, though, I wanted to talk about Kardashev. We were listening... So, we were listening to yeah. the span of Kardashev, and I, I was listening to you on a podcast, mm. actually. So, Kardashev is the only band that you've ever been in? So basically, yes, um, pretty much. So I was and still technically am the vocalist for a tech death band called Viramia, mm-hmm. but um, I did one single and it was a blast and it was the hardest thing I've ever done as for like musically. Mm, maybe not, but it was really difficult. <laughs> and then the guitarist, Josh, he just kind of lost passion for the project and started working on like this more like like sort of stoner doom project, which was cool because it's actually really neat. But I was also like, man, I just, <laughs> I just got here. God damn it. Right. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Like it's just all like brutal, fast, like tech death stuff. 
Um, which is uh, which I d- I just went back today and listened to old Kardashev, and I was like, wow, this band. You guys have changed. You kind of started out being more like that, more like a a kind of tech death band, or gen- I I don't know. It's got like. It, it reminds me of a lot of the early Sumerian <laughs> bands, you know, like all that stuff that came out in like 2007 and stuff. So it's fascinating to me yeah. how much you guys have changed. Yeah. Well, we were, we were very, in, we were very inspired by all those back when Sumerian was like a totally different label than it is today. Right. Um, you know, we were really inspired by um, a lot of those bands. Like mm-hmm. we were inspired. Our main inspirations uh, were the contortionists, Fallujah, um Aegean um you know I know that as far as like a lot of like a lot of like polyrhythmic stuff which we never got quite on the level animals as leaders um we were you know pretty pretty into so a lot of that um although I don't know if animals as leaders well Naveen you you would know I don't know if they've ever been a Sumerian band but just like that that sort of prog yeah they're a Sumerian band yep oh okay cool 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 I thought so and then I was like well I could probably check my work right here um (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, yeah. And then, and then the only other real band I've been in is it's, it's mostly honestly just for fun, uh, is a black metal side project called Never Breath. That is me and Nico and then a friend of ours, Tyler. Um, and we released, like, I think it's actually a pretty fucking good album, although it definitely does sound like an album that was written for fun (laughs) and less as, like it sounds like an album that was written by musicians who just kind of wanted to have a fun time and not worry about music being perfect. But I think it's actually pretty good. Um, and they're working on another one. They're working. They're working on another album. And I was like, "Listen, guys, I'm like way too busy to be involved in the writing of it. So you just send me some tracks and I'll scream on them. How's that sound? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a way to be. <laughs> they're like, "That's that's cool. It works. It works for me." <laughs> I think they're going more like atmospheric black metal for this one. Oh, which super! It's cool. It's like. It's like slightly a bummer because it's closer to what Kardashev does, and so I, like it's kind of fun getting out of the Kardashev shoes right. every once in a while. Right. But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nitpick if I'm like not putting my hand in the compositional side. I'm not gonna be like, can you actually um like no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. So also, um, you said that you started doing vocals in college. Did you uh, were you into metal before that, or did you also get into metal when you're in college, or have you gr- kind of grown up on metal? Oh, I was super super into metal um oh god since like fifth grade okay i was like you know i went to like tiny little christian schools so you had to be sneaky about it but i would like listen to like disturbed you know i'm like (laughs) this like this little kid and i'm like hiding like you know like in the lunchroom and i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) um harrison's nodding you know no he did that too well, I was I was getting yeah, confirmed. It, I was going through confirmation at church, and I was so into metal. I think I was in maybe eighth grade, and I wore Ozzy has a shirt where he's holding up a sign that says hell on it, and I wore that to <laughs> my confirmation. I think that was my last day there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so I feel That's you. Amazing. You gotta hide it. You gotta hide the metal from. I mean, there is good Christian metal as well, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, like um I don't know if they would still I don't know if they still fall into the category, but I know August Burns Red started out as uh as a Christian band and then there was Demon Hunter becoming the oh, archetype. Yeah. Like really really good bands and um Devil Wears Prada. I loved Devil Wears Prada. I don't know if they're still doing stuff, but back in the day Devil Wears Prada, they they kind of had themselves under that 
under that like umbrella. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know where in the Gospels goats on a boat fits, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or uh, dogs can grow beards are all, all over. But yeah, yeah. There was there was some there was some awesome there was some and like pod right. Obviously, we're getting a little bit like it's it's they were metal heavily metal influenced, but pod fundamental elements of Southtown one of the best albums of all time in my opinion. They're a Christian band, so yeah, there was a lot of good stuff you could listen to for I, sure. Totally, yeah. What was the f- initial question to that? I feel like there was a question. Oh, if he grew up listening to metal. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you did grow up listening <clears throat> to metal. Did you, you didn't play yeah. in bands. Well, when did Kardashev start? How old were you when, was that your first band? That was three questions. Yeah, Kardashev, Kardashev is where it started. Yeah, Kardashev okay. is where it started. And uh, I was very nervous. And um, so Nico had been in a couple bands um, since high school, which most people do. Um, yeah. And he was in a band that they've been broken up for a while, but locally here in Arizona was kind of kind of a big deal. He would say no, but that's because you know he would say no. Um, but they were called Composer Meat Corpse, and they were actually pretty good. And they put on a good show. They put on a really good show. They, uh, along with a couple others, a Distant Calm, who Alex is now in Holy Fun, but um, they would draw quite a crowd locally. Um, and so like they were very seasoned. I'd never played a show in my fucking life, and. <laughs> Uh, Nico, I met him at NAU and I would just gurgle terribly on stuff for fun. <laughs> and he was like, hey, we're starting a project called Kardashev. Do you want to be the vocalist? And I was like, yeah, I do. I don't know if it's going to be good. And actually, the funny thing is at first, the bassist, uh, he was the bassist at the time. He's no longer the bassist in the band now. But he was like, nah, not this guy. And Nico was like, <laughs> give him a month. Just give him a month. And so I had to like and I didn't even know that till years later, but I was like earning my way in and I had no idea. So <laughs> that's amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty cool about you guys. Like I said, I was listening to, I can't remember the name of your first, I think it was an EP. It's got four songs on it. Like, uh, A, B, C. Oh, dang. You did. You yeah. did scrub way well, I was far listening back. to it because yeah. I, like I said, I was listening to the podcast saying that you guys have been a band for maybe 12 years or something. And to me, yeah. <clears throat> that's like the ultimate goal to reach. I love when bands have been together for a long time because then you can see an evolution of sound, where the band started and where they got to the or how they got to the place they are now. And I think that's really cool about you guys because had I heard that first thing you put out and then hearing Liminal Right, it's so different. And I'm fascinated mm. by how you took all the twists and turns twists and turns to get to that point and what led you guys to becoming the band you are now i mean your voice your yeah. voice for one you sing so much more now than you were back then back then you were screaming most of the time so when earlier you mentioned that you see yourself as a screaming vocalist first and foremost it makes sense to me because that to me is kind of where you began but now you sing yeah. so much that that's i think you're equally uh, a clean and a screaming vocalist <laughs> <laughs> by 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 necessity yeah i think that's true and i yeah i appreciate i appreciate uh that yeah just just all that insight um yeah i mean you know we're really lucky in a couple of ways the first is that we all like this is kind of a rarity as i understand it <clears throat> but Anybody who's been in the band, because we've rotated some members, of course, that's what you do. Um, but anybody who's been in the band, we've all just liked the same kind of music and our tastes have shifted in the same direction, always kind of at the same time. Um, and so, you know, Nico started getting really into this band called Lant Loss, right? Mm-hmm. Which 
I think uh, Cheney. I think on the on the uh, video we did, we talked about either Lantloss or Alcest. I can't remember. We talked about um, Alcest, but I have heard of Lantloss. I just Alcest. haven't. Yeah, Alcest oh is amazing. Oh my god, Lantloss. Lantloss is phenomenal, and Nico liked Lantloss, and I kind of hated them at first, but then I got into it, and then I loved Lantloss, and so he would write based on what he liked, and I would end up liking it too, so it just kind of worked out, and then <clears throat> as for like the singing, that was not like a conscious choice that I had I had made. Basically, I left, and uh, Nico had written Between Sea and Sky, which is on our album Peripety album EP, I don't know. It's on a thing we released, um, and it's a song called Between Sea and Sky, and I got back. I was on like a little weekend trip, and I got back, and I listened to it, and I was like, fuck, I have to sing on this track, because this song, like, it's just built for cleans, yeah. and I had not sung clean for years, because I had kind of like, you know, I, I'm a metal vocalist. I don't sing. Huh. Um, I've been there. And so I had to like... I. Had, Oh yeah, I had to retrain myself to sing. I had to, I had to reteach myself to do it. I sat in the garage because um, like we didn't really have a lot of cars. Um, we were living in a house we were we were collectively renting from my mom at the time. Um, but I sat in the garage with a guitar and I would just play a random note and I would just pitch match for forty five minutes to an hour a day. It was miserable. So if you're a metal vocalist out there and you you sing and you're thinking about not keeping up your singing voice. Don't make the same mistake I did because for months you'll have to just pitch match for hours. Oh, again, yeah. I agree sucks. with you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a good it idea, sucks. though. It's good a really good idea. Just put the work in. Sometimes Naveen will play guitar and I'll pitch match to all of that. I mean, I never stopped singing. I just haven't utilized it in Entheos until our new record. So I know exactly what you mm. mean. It's like you hear something and it's like, all right. It's time to bust out the singing voice. We got to do it over this. There's <laughs> Because some things... They just wouldn't sound perfect, as perfect yeah. as I want them to sound with screaming on them. Singing does work, especially yeah. we both play like prog metal. And I think that singing mm -hmm. very much has a place in the type of music that both of our bands are. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, like like we talked about on the video that we did, like I I know that like aesthetically vocalists tend to be like you know the quote-unquote front man right but i i really feel like i don't know how to be a vocalist without playing a supporting role mm -hmm. you know what i mean like um i feel like we're kind of at the mercy of of what the song needs what what does the song need well that's what we got to do and sometimes that pushes us out sometimes your band writes in a key you don't like to sing in you know um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you deal with it you deal with it <laughs> that's true uh we just wrote a whole record and like i said they're singing on it and only now are naveen and i actually messing with keys yeah. like what would like i actually be better. the most yeah. comfortable in yeah what would i sound the best in yeah. so all of yeah. it's just a growing process you know but it is cool like i was saying to be riding with the same people so you can kind of mm -hmm. exercise all of that together and on each uh following release you've just you're getting to a new place instead of kind of starting over again with a new band and doing the thing yeah yeah i you know i have to be honest with you like um if if kardashev were to were to dissolve which isn't going to happen soon because we're we're on the hook for a couple albums <laughs> um we're 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 on that contract you know mm -hmm. um but if kardashev were to dissolve i'm not sure i'm not sure i would pursue another band just because it's like 
been so easy. I don't know how it would. I don't know how it would work. It would have to be like a really specific option. It would have to be a really specific spot. I'd probably. I'd probably be like, well, that was a good run. That was that was fun. <laughs> I was a vocalist for a while. That was chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you still got to do your teaching, so you got to be an active yeah, no, vocalist. Gotta... Yeah, that is the, that's a good point though. Like the the credibility of the. Uh, of the vocal coach thing goes down if you're not like actively a vocalist. So maybe I would, but that's, but then that's the other thing. Like it's gotta be really good. You know what I I mean? Like, like I, like there are some times where you find like, not just a vocal coach, but anybody teaching a skill on YouTube and you're like, Oh, I want to see what they're about. And then you go view their thing and you're just like, um, Like, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, you don't want to be nice. You're not going to go in the comments and flame anybody, but you're just like, Bleh. yeah, yeah, you're, right. Your, your band sucks, you know? <laughs> um, you're like, I don't want to sound does... like you, so I don't want to watch your video. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's Ooh, true. That, yeah. Does, that does happen. Kinda that does the, happen. The um, do you ever, when, you, when you're like critiquing videos, do you, purposefully choose things that you know you're going to like or are you super hypercritical are you ever are you ever in do you have a distaste for what you're talking about does that come out in your videos yeah yeah uh well it did uh in uh one of the videos i did for eskimo call eskimo or electric callboy they changed their name um electric callboys uh i don't know something about being on a boat um, I'm kind of a, I've kind of been a like, sucker for a few of their songs. <laughs> they they're not. fun for sure. Yeah. They're fun. There's no question. But there was just one song, and I was like, "What am I even doing?" And then it made sense, you know, zombie girls eating people, you know. But um, you know, I would say that there's probably a good portion of the songs that I cover on the channel that I would never add to my own personal playlist. Um, probably like a third to maybe even like 35% of the songs that I cover on the channel, I wouldn't put on my playlist. But, you know, and for a while, I felt like like hypocritical about that. But then I, I kind of just thought about the type of person that I am, right? And like, if I was to, if my friends invited me to a restaurant and I didn't like the food, I wouldn't be a jerk about it. I wouldn't ruin everybody else's time. I would find something to enjoy. You yeah. know, <clears throat> I would find a way to be, to be positive in that moment. And at the end of the day, I do love vocals. So like, you know, if I'm covering a, a deathcore song, that I just personally don't really care for, I can still get excited about vocal technique. I can still, right. I can still recognize that. Hey, even though I don't like this song, there's a lot of talent here. Absolutely. So I can still get excited about just the proficiency and the skill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most like most of like the deathcore stuff that I cover, I wouldn't put on my playlist because I'm just not. I'm just kind of over deathcore at yeah. this point in my life. Um, I agree with you. I'm no, not. I don't have. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Go ahead, please. There's a little oh, bit of delay. I was going to so say, um, you know, uh, deathcore isn't my preferred thing. However, I think that a lot of the best vocalists are deathcore vocalists. So it's like musically, it's not always yeah. something that I would put into my playlist. But people who are attracted to doing vocals in deathcore bands, a lot of the time have insane ranges, which I'm a sucker for in a vocalist. I like people who can, you know, cover a lot of ground in their vocals. So... I I totally get it. It's like it's really good for vocals, really good for it. Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's tons to talk about. There's tons of um there's tons of uh 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 talent 
I think I think the main thing for me with Deathcore right now is like like I don't really have anything bad to say about the genre. Like like a lot of people will bash it. I don't really have anything bad to say, but I think Deathcore is kind of currently in a place where sometimes they're just like, hey, let's write a Deathcore riff and we'll put like sort of like bad synth VST yeah, or yeah. bad like orchestra VSTs behind it and and we'll call and and then you know people they release it and just because there's an orchestra in the background people are like oh my god and it's like you know <laughs> i've i've kind of been there done that but i don't i don't you know i don't say anything because like at the same time i remember being 15 and listening to metallica and thinking that they were the most unique band in the world and you know somebody was like have you never heard of thrash metal and i felt so crushed because they were like <laughs> stepping on my joy you know right. what i mean so when when i hear something that to me it's just like oh they just they just put arpeggios behind behind a breakdown like i get it i you know i i keep it to myself cuz i want people to have their fun totally you know I mean? and you know eventually some of those bands can can evolve and become their own sort of band a lot of bands start out sounding a lot like other bands and then they kind of find their sound yeah. along the way so i totally get that as well you know, it's, you know, that that's actually not a, not an angle I'd ever thought about, but that's right. Like you kind of have to give bands an opportunity to kind of grow into themselves, especially if it's just their first or second release. Mm -hmm. I'd never thought about that, but that's a really valid point. Like I know that we sounded kind of rough around the edges early on. So did, so would, did we. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, know, I just now feel like we're finding, you know, our thing on the stuff that we're starting to put out now. It's just, it's a growing process, man. It takes a long time. Yeah, and that's why, like, I'm. I keep going back to this. I enjoy when bands stay together for a long period of time because it's so fascinating to see all of the different directions that they can go in. You know, if they get out of that mm. place of, you know, being rough around the edges and sounding a little too much like everything else that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. There, there, there are a couple bands that come to mind when you mention that. Um, Obviously, uh, cattle to cap because I'm always I'm always thinking about cattle decapitation, mm -hmm. um, but also um, um, the contortionist. Oh, I totally. think just because we were talking about them recently, mm -hmm. they holy moly! I mean, okay, they changed singers, of course, but like they have really changed over time, and they've they've had they've had like distinct distinct eras. The faceless too. The faceless totally. too. Totally. Yeah, it is. It is fun. It is fun when you see those changes over time. You're right. Yeah, it really is. But I, yeah, let's get into questions. We've probably been going for a while. We'll ask a oh, couple. Yeah. All right. Uh, our classic question asker, Jake Scrappile, asks, what is one thing every vocalist can do in a live setting to make themselves a better performer? What is, okay, what is, I'm going to say it back because there's a little bit of uh, audio cut out. What's one thing a vocalist can do live to make themselves a better performer? Is that, is that yeah. what it was? <clears throat> okay, cool. I got I got to just trust my ear. Um I think the main thing is focus on this is going to sound obvious but bear with me. Focus on your breathing, right? Because you can get on stage and you can feel very tempted to be like running back and forth nonstop, jumping up and down. Um you really want to hype hype people up. I mean, like the V V epitome of this I think was Trevor Sternod. You know, that dude didn't stop. Just run, 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 right? <laughs> Most of us aren't built that way. And if your breath go if your breath goes, your whole performance goes. Yeah. So, it's okay. It's okay to post up. Like if you're tired, 
you know, and you have a song where you just want to put your foot on the monitor and stand still, you can do a lot of performing with your eyes. You can make like wide eyes. You can, you can point at people. I remember we played, um, tech fest and I, like there was this guy and you got to just kind of feel it out in the moment, but there was this guy who just was into it. So I grabbed his shirt and I like kind of screamed in his face and he was startled, but he also thought it was like really cool. And like, he asked for a signature afterwards. So if you got to slow down, let your be, don't be afraid to slow down, I guess, focus on your breathing and don't be afraid to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I'd also add to that cardio and going into the sauna and doing breathing exercises like that have been really powerful for me in being a better live vocalist and being able to focus on my breathing in those moments. So do some cardio. It mm. really, really genuinely helps. Yeah. I never thought about breathing exercises in a sauna. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like super open up. So, yeah. That's, that's smart. That's yeah. good thinking. Yeah. It's awesome. It's hot in there. Like <laughs> Very stage. hot. Just like a stage. Exactly. <laughs> I don't yeah, have any, yeah, I don't have any true. extra it's tips true. for that. <laughs> so. No tips from, I'm trying to get Naveen to do backing vocals for me, but. Only if that, I can wear one of those headset mics. <laughs> Maybe then I'll have some tips. That'd be sick. <laughs> That'd be sick. You should do it. You should do it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, cupping the mic or no? <laughs> uh, my hot take is I don't care. Yeah. Who the um, fuck cares? I don't care. Some of the best vocalists <laughs> in the world cup the mic. It's fine. And it's honestly way more comfortable to hold the mic toward the ball and most sound yeah, guys know how to mix for that because all of us cup the fucking mic sometimes i've heard a lot of arguments either way and uh you know at the end of the day like i feel here's the thing <clears throat> there probably is a correct answer and if i had to go with somebody i would probably go with the sound guy but i also think think that a lot of people who get worked up about cupping the mic are the same people who who pretend to have a strong opinion about pineapple on pizza no one actually cares you just participate <laughs> no in a cultural meme it's so true right? <laughs> like, what i will say something you know, i don't I, do on stage i don't do the full mic cup like this double cup yeah i don't do that i'll i'll hold it like by the ball because for me that is the most comfortable way to do vocals so I just I hold like the it guys like right who are like, oh, they're overly afraid of the. Yeah, they cup. do this one. So they're like, don't even act like I'm about to cup and I'm going to hold this thing way <laughs> yeah. down here. But also in the studio, yeah. in the studio, do not cup yeah. because this is how it sounds. Yeah, it doesn't so sound sometimes good. you may forget to cup and then your recording is going to sound like really uneven. So don't do that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna based on what you said. That's good insight. I'm gonna make an addendum. Also, I totally know what you're saying. The the like the Bob Barker like yeah. Price is Right. Mike. It's like there's yeah. no way anybody um, is going to come anywhere near thinking that I've cut yeah. the mic. Fuck that. That's yeah, probably what I would do. That's For probably sure. what I would do if I was a vocalist. Oh my god. Hey, whatever feels right. But okay, I'll agree. Don't cup the mic in a studio. No. Like you won't get if you if you try to cup the mic for, in the studio. First of all, you're not going to get away with it. No. Whoever whoever, uh, whoever is recording you is going to slap you in the face. Yeah, you um, really are. But then I probably would avoid the double cup because yeah. the double cup is just gonna it's just gonna ugh, if you go from like you know just holding it near the actual like head of the mic and then you double cup everything is just gonna oh god yeah. it's don't you're not do gonna it. Do it. So I would say I would say overall I don't care, but don't double cup. Yeah. yeah, never double and cup. Who needs try, to try who to needs cup a double in the studio cup and find out? Who needs a double cup? No one. We all only need single Nobody. cups. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Are there any more questions, Harrison? Yeah. Uh, Machine asks, uh, what made you and the band choose Metal Blade Records? Oh, that's a fun question. That's a fun question because we got something in common here. That's yeah, um, true. We're, f- we're label fam. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we <laughs> well, are. Well, um, or you should have welcomed us to the family. That's true. You know how people welcome each other? You should have welcomed welcome us family. because welcome we signed after family. you did. <laughs> so oh, you're... We messed up. That was <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> that was a faux pas. How well we were fucking assholes. That's what we are. Um I actually I actually thought you had been on longer than us until the video we did. And then you were like, no, no, seriously. And I was like, I had no idea. I'm just dummy. I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally out of it. Um but uh, why did why did we choose Metal Blade? I think it was because the contract was the most non intrusive. Um, you know, like we had some other offers. Uh, we had two other offers. One for was from Century Media. The other I don't remember. Um, and it was weird how they all all kind of came at the same time. That was the weird part. Um, it's like everybody emailed. Well, not everybody. The handful <laughs> they all emailed like within the same like month or so. Um, but Metal Blade, it was literally like, hey you can literally write whatever you want um i mean obviously it needs to be good but you can write whatever you want we're not gonna we're not gonna have a say in what you do we're just here to help guide the process which sometimes like it can be a little bit hands-off and like you kind of got to be a little bit proactive you got to say like hey we want to do this and then they'll talk the logistics with you but like we didn't actually like need a label because we weren't touring or or uh like trying to do festivals at the time so when the offer came in we were like okay we hadn't been thinking about a label well what can you bring to the table it was kind of like it was kind of like when you're totally not interested in dating and somebody like shows interest and you're like oh well i don't really have anything to lose because i'm like not on the market right now you know what i mean it kind of felt it kind of felt like that but yeah it was the most non-intrusive it was the most non-intrusive and really you know they've been everybody we've worked with has been super cool we like we really were able to write liminal write how we wanted Mm -hmm. Uh, it was awesome it was great yeah we've had the same exact experience with metal blade they did not guide us anyway on the music and you know one of the other labels that we were talking to so we sent two songs to to labels to check out one had a lot of singing and one was absolute zero so when we sent it to another label that we were thinking of signing to, they were like, okay, where's the other, where are the other songs that have this much singing? That's what we want to hear. And we were like, we don't want to sign to a label who's trying to guide us to be that kind of thing. So Metal Blade, the yeah. fact that they were just totally down for these two songs that sounded pretty different from each other and they had nothing to do, wanted to have nothing to do with the writing process or guiding us. That's a huge, Yeah, I mean, we just gave thing. them the album and they were just like, cool, thanks. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is yeah. here, here, listen to it. All right. Sounds yeah. good. I mean, yeah. No He's mixed notes or anything. Sounds sick. Just okay, this is great. Thanks. Yeah. That was that. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I w- oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jenny. No. Nope. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'll go. All right, I'll go. Um, I will say one bit of feedback we did get from Metal Blade that we're probably gonna follow through with is that um the 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 overall mix and master on the album um i think i think wasn't received in exactly the way that we had anticipated i'll be transparent i love love the way that 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 album is mixed but i think a lot of people they hear like 
the vocal style and how sometimes the guitars are more technical and they're like this isn't the same crystal clear like like production i would get on like you know a tech death or a deathcore album what's going on and so it's just like expectations are a little off but at the same time like metal blade was like hey like we really think you should try out different uh production for the next album just to see how it goes and like i said earlier on the call i'm a big fan of like try everything once we've we've been with the same guy since we ever started so it'll be a little bit weird i'm not sure who we'll go with next but um, it is something that we as a band have kind of collectively decided to try. And that is a nudge. Metal Blade did give us a nudge. They were like, hey, this production, it's good for now. Let's try something else next time. And we were like, okay, fair. Well, you guys fair like uh, yeah. Cattle Decapitation. Why don't you try out uh, Dave Otero? That'd be sick. So that's 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 literally like <laughs> that's like when we were talking about people, I was like, well, guys, I really like Cattle Decapitation. So why don't we try out Dave Otero? <laughs> Yeah. That would be sick. I that also think really that, sick. I also think the dude from Catatonia or who does Catatonia stuff and like the ocean stuff, you guys would sound oh, really sick yeah. with. Yeah, uh, you really guys cool. just strike me as that kind of like band. I don't know. But I mean, the, your guy of course it's st- your, your guy could still record it all and help you produce and then just have somebody else mix it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I hadn't thought about that. You know, uh I I can see that, like Catatonia, the ocean, things like that. I didn't know that they shared. Uh, I didn't know that they shared a uh, production. Uh, yeah, I believe person. I'm right I about that. I think that that guy also mixed the last two uh, White Chapel albums, yeah, the Valley. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean. Oh really? Yeah. Yep. But you know, it's just always wow. interesting to hear Small bands world. with different. Like we, for this record, this was the first record that Mark Lewis mixed of ours, and we've always gone to Zach Owen before that. But uh, it's been mm. great going to. Mark, I think he's really captured the band, like a band playing, because that's something that I feel like is lost a lot of the time in in technical music is like a band playing music. And Mm. I really enjoy that Mark captures that in the bands that go to him. So that was something that drew drew us to him. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys do next, man. Whoever Whoever you go to. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Totally. I don't know. Any right. other questions? Yeah. Um, Not the Hollow asks, who would your dream collab be for a Kardashev song? Ha <laughs> ha. What's up, Corey? Um, <laughs> who would my dream collab be for Kardashev? <clears throat> ah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Oh, man. That's a really fun question, actually. Um, so you would think I would say Kyle Cat, but probably not. Um, wow, surprise! Probably not. That's an Just, M Night Shyamalan sa- plot twist. <laughs> yeah, and the sounds are so different. You know, uh, I would love, I would love to collab. I think Alcest would be great. Uh, Alcest would be a lot of fun to collab with. Uh, Lantloss, I don't know. Lantloss, the most recent album, Wild Hunt, was kind of not so much my thing. Um. But uh, like Lant Loss, if they were in like their older era, maybe um, would be a lot of fun. Also, Holy Fawn. Uh, Holy Fawn. So Holy Fawn, I've mentioned them a couple times. That's my bassist's or our bassist's other band. Legit fucking awesome band. They're like, super really sick. Good. Super sick. Really good. When you told me that, I was like, like what? I had no idea that he was in yeah. Holy Fawn as well. That's crazy small it's i i know it's it's a small world but like i think it'd be really actually kind of fun to do like a holy fawn split that might be actually what i would do i would do a holy fawn split because ryan their singer 
Um, he, you know, he, they're, they're very distant and mixed back, but like he does some screams every once in a while. And there's certainly some similarity in sound. Um, so I think a Holy Fonts, I, that's what I would do. I'd do a Holy Font split. That would just be killer. That'd be a lot of fun. Super sick. Awesome. Uh, Machine asks again, uh, I heard you created a new language on the Almanac album. Will he, will there be more of that on the new album? Hey, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly not a fully fleshed out language, um, but I did create just enough of a, of a framework of a language for the album to, to, to work for the album called Alinea. Um, and yeah, we've got a couple projects in the works that really lean heavily on Alinea and the next album that we write. So sometimes we, we write albums that are like in the Kardashev mythos, which are telling like the sci-fi story that we started out with. And other times we write and it doesn't have anything to do with it. Like Liminal Write had nothing to do with the Kardashev mythos at all. But the next album that we write is going to be back in the Kardashev mythos. And I do plan to use a lot of Alinea on that album. And we've got another, we've got, I can't give you a whole lot of details on this, but we've got a piece of merch um, that's going to have quite a bit of Alinea in it. I'm struggling to find time to work on it, but um, it's going to have a lot of Alinea in it. And um, one of the people in the Kardashev Discord community is kind of like an Alinea scholar. Like, I feel like he probably knows more about it than I do. Um, So I'll probably like reach out to him to like, I don't know, check my work. I'll be like, hey, how's my grammar here? And he'll be like, oh, you used this and you should have used that. And I'll be like, shit. Um, (laughs) Wow, that's fascinating. Um, Yeah, you're definitely, yeah, you're definitely going to see more Alinea moving forward. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of other languages, what language is that tattoo on your wrist? Looks like Sanskrit. Oh, this one? Yeah. So, this... <laughs> oh, this tattoo. Oh, lordy. Um, I feel like as, as, as a tattooed individual, you have to have at least one that you kind of regret. So, it's <laughs> Hindi. Um, okay. And I got this when I was very young. When I was very young. And it's, uh, it's a tattoo that references a uh, festival in India that celebrates brothers and sisters. And we just thought it was cool. Like, and so my sister and I, we got matching tattoos because we thought it was neat. And then I got a little bit older and I was like, you know, I'm not Indian. So this is kind of weird. Um, like I have no connection to this festival at all. And like, nobody's ever been mad about it or anything. Like anytime, like somebody who can read Hindi sees it, they actually like, they're actually like, but so cool. Of course. Um, but sometimes I look at it and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have gone that, gotten that looking back. But I've also never wanted to like get it removed or anything like yeah. that. You know. That's how I feel about well, the cool. state of Iowa tattoo that I have on my arm. I constantly <laughs> want to get rid of it, and every time I say something about it, people are like, "You can't do that. You've committed to having your home state on your arm." People would think that you turned your back on them. <laughs> I, I've, yeah, that's state of Iowa. That's interesting. It's not. I was 19. We were all 19 once, right? And wanted the state that we were from tattooed on ourselves. Oh, yeah. I was about 19. (laughs) I was about 19 when I got to Hindi. Some of us want Hindi festivals on our arms, and some of us want the state that we're from. You know? I think it's cool. I almost As an honorary Indian, I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, Naveen is an honorary Indian. That's for sure. All right, good. Good. (laughs) I got some approval. There we go. Two people who are not from India. That's awesome. <laughs> My name is Indian. Sure. True. True. You're you got one foot Good in the point. door. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. Awesome. So. Anything else, Harrison? Uh yeah, so a couple more questions. Awesome. Uh your opinion on inhale vocal technique. <laughs> so 
Not yeah. a huge fan. Yeah, actually, I would love personally. to talk. <laughs> oh, did you say you're not a huge fan? Uh, I was just making a joke as if the question was for me, but <laughs> clearly not for me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think inhales can sound really cool. I think they can sound really, really neat. Um, from everything I've studied, I don't know that there's enough data on inhale vocals for us to really know for sure how safe they are. Um, what I do know is that there are vocalists who have done uh, inhales for years and years and years and years who have never had any issue, um, who have never had had any issue. Um, I think sometimes inhales get a little bit too much hate, kind of like pineapple on pizza. Um it's or just or like, triggers you, or cupping the mic or anything yeah, yeah. that's hot issues. Yeah. yeah. Just things that it's we, a, we a, needn't worry about. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a way to like show that you're part of the community. Be like, Oh yeah. Inhale's bad. Right guys. Um, I will say I never teach them and I never talk about them and it's not for like, you know, people have sometimes said like, Oh, he's, he's afraid of like, the like the youtube internet mob and i'm like jesus that must be terrible to live in fear of like the internet mob i don't know what that's like um but it's more so just until i don't until until there's something a little bit more definitive i just don't feel like i'm like a driving instructor can you drive you know 20 miles per hour over the speed limit safely yeah technically it's possible but that'd be very irresponsible for me to teach you to do it so when it comes to inhales i don't cover it i don't talk about it but i'm also not really ready to write it off entirely you know what i mean makes sense well, what i will say weird. about myself anytime i've tried to do inhales they make me cough so power to anyone out there who's doing inhales and like killing it not my bad oh yeah i try to learn every vocal style i think we were talking about this on the cardivox video like i enjoy learning every single vocal style out there i want to try it at least once because you never know what you can add to your arsenal but i just never right. have been able to do sustainably do inhale vocals they just don't feel good to me personally yeah i'm right there with you and like i'm see <laughs> that's where you and i are different i'm a lazy fuck um <laughs> like my whole vocal journey has been built on how can i make cool sounds with like no effort and like i would come up to things that were too hard and i'd be like pass um <laughs> that makes me want it more man if something's too hard for me i just want it so much more it's like well, that's the way to be that's the correct mindset <laughs> thanks mark and you Thank should you. continue being that way uh for me i'm just like meh too hard see you later i'm the same exact way if i'm not like pretty good at something like right off the bat i just won't do it i'm like that with most things but with vocals specifically i'm like all of this i can add to the next record if i want to so i'm trying to like learn and a lot of the times there are things that like kids who are way younger than me are coming out and doing all kinds of new vocals that oh. I just haven't even figured I'm and I want to figure that stuff out because it sounds cool so yeah. I mean yeah I mean I think I think we've all seen like you know the 13 year old kid on their iPhone putting us to shame uh, totally. like you know yeah. like that's totally part of it for me it's always been necessity like you know um why did I like I had known how to do it before, but why did I like hone in and perfect on like, okay, perfect, not so much. Get stronger on my belting technique. Liminal right needed it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get to belting. But if Liminal right didn't need it, I probably wouldn't have worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. This is kind of, this is kind of how I do. 
That's true. You're more uh, utilitarian with it. You don't want to oh, just yeah. learn it just to learn it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Utilitarian, that's a good word. I mean, that's why I learned how to do like the doubles thing on the kick, you know, because I just wanted to write music that was like had fast double bass in it. Yeah. So I don't really mm. like doing it. <laughs> oh yeah that's true i don't like doing that's it. true i don't i don't really like doing super fast vocals because it's super taxing yeah, live like but there are some parts that just sound really good doing 16th notes and you know mixing it serving up the music you that's gotta yeah I mean, oh yeah it happens oh it's yeah true. totally yeah mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. anything else harrison uh <coughs> how do you feel about all the carta jokes oh yeah have you heard the carta <laughs> jokes mark <laughs> uh so I think so. If they're in, ch- if, if if are they talking about Carter jokes in chat or is there like a world of Carter jokes? No, I just like in one episode There's... I was like kind of joking around because your band's Kardashev and then you have the Carter folks and I was like, what is he just Carter everything? And I started like just saying, you know, oh. whatever Carter, <laughs> Carter Mark, Carter that. Yeah, I was yeah. Just being yeah. annoying. Yeah. I was well, being annoying. Carter this, Carter that. Carter this, Carter that. <laughs> Cardiff. Although yeah, I looked well, it up Miko. and it seems like the name is from the Kardashev scale. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. So, Which was pretty interesting. Um, I've heard. I've heard some clever. I've heard some clever Carta jokes for sure. Um, <laughs> Carta, Carta dad. People called me Carta dad. Right now, you are. Like you're that. a new Carta dad. Uh, um, I like that. You know, and it's it's good branding. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, good <laughs> it's really fucking um, good branding. You got that. But yeah. But yeah, so it's it's it relates to a uh, so sometimes I talk about it and it makes people think I know a lot about like theoretical physics. I don't know anything. <laughs> um, but basically, there was this uh, theoretical physicist uh, Nikolai Kardashev, and he had this uh, you know f- scale of of thinking about how uh, a society would evolve and uh, move through descriptions of its power usage, right? Um, and so. Like, uh, yo, Dan is now following. What a good guy. Um, oh, thanks, Dan. Um, <laughs> we can't see the Dan's screen. Dan's one of my students. Oh, Dan's nice. one of my students. Oh, that's awesome. Um, thanks, Dan. But, uh, but uh, so, yeah, it basically like a tier, a tier zero society, which is where we are, uses energy very efficiently. Tier one perfectly uses the energy of its uh, home planet. Tier two, its home star. Tier three, all the stars in the galaxy. Wait, right? this is what and you wrote course, the first thing about. Yeah, totally. Oh, gotcha. Well, I mean, mm. think about when that was. That was 2000. Like, we started writing it in, two, like, late 2009. Mm-hmm. And I think we released it in 2010. It was all space metal then. Oh, That's totally. I know. I saw yeah. it, and I was like, Naveen, look, space metal. <laughs> yeah, totally was yeah. right on par with that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we we totally, you know, we totally were, were swept up in the space metal thing for a <laughs> while. Um, and they, we just we just kept it. You know, we just kept it. And it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, it's that guy. We just ripped somebody's last name for a band name is what we did. I love the band name. Yeah, I, I think like it. it's yeah, a it's really cool. good band name. Really cool. I like it. Rolls hey, off the well, tongue. thank you both. It's a car- I appreciate it. Carta good. I, I don't know. Boo. It's Carta great. <laughs> well, let me, let, me, let me flip it then because I probably should know, but I don't know. But what's the story behind Entheos? Entheos is, uh, it means the God within in Greek. So it's the root oh. word for enthusiasm and uh. Our original guitar player, Frank Costa, we were staying the night at his house and he found it in a book and we all loved the meaning, you know, because we're, we feel it's divine inspiration. And I think that a lot of musicians, people who write things feel the divine inspiration when they're writing music and it felt Mm -hmm. right. So it felt like it fit. 
we were feeling it and we liked it that that's a dope name that's sick <laughs> and you know i think i think that's i think that's awesome a because it sounds cool and and b like what it means is cool but you know i will say that like you know obviously like you know like i mentioned before i'm not i'm not really much of a theist myself but i'm also not like an anti-theist i don't really have mm-hmm. a lot of strong opinions on it but i will say that back when we were performing frequently when you're playing a really good show and you're really in the moment like i have like i totally get why some people feel like they were possessed by something because there have been moments on stage where i just like feel like i have like I definitely am like in some sort of like altered like 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 a consciousness state because everything's just like colors and sounds and movement and you like feel like you're kind of like floating yeah and you're just somehow screaming along and staying on time probably nobody told you you were off time so you probably did good <laughs> you know um and uh yeah so like that that like that makes sense like that's that's a very good uh that's a very good name for an artistic endeavor especially yeah. a music endeavor yeah very cool yeah, thank like you it. We yeah like it. we love it I like it. Is that it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can keep going if you want. All right. You want, you want to keep going or you got to get to dad mode here? No, I, got, I got time for a couple more. Yeah, okay. I got yeah let's do. Well, I have a question. Uh, you brought up the, well, a question brought up the language that you wrote. I'm curious about where that came from. Like, where is the idea of, I'm just going to make a new language for. Yeah, that album. seems pretty mm-hmm. daunting. Yeah. Haha. That's, yeah. So um, I've been really interested in languages for a very long time. Um, I only, I, I still only speak one English. That's it. You know, um, process of elimination. Everybody can figure that out. I don't know why I had to clarify. I only speak one English. Duh. What? Um, but I know. A little bit of Hindi but, too, um, to go yeah. with that. Apparently. Yeah. If I had stuck with it, I'd probably be pretty good at French now, but I didn't, I didn't stick with it. Um, but I've just always been interested in languages. And when I was young, it was just a hobby of mine. I would make like skeletons of languages and I would rent like conlang, uh, constructed language books from, um, the library and things like that. And then, so finally one day I just had like, I was just, I was at PayPal and I was just playing around with it. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool as if there was a language where like, however long you held the first vowel defined the meaning of it. So like, mm-hmm. um, the first word, the first word on the almanac is an Alinea word. And the word is uone, right? So if you say, so uone is based on uone, uone means distance. Uone means far. Uone means close. Oh. And so, um, yeah, it's so it just kind of, uh, um, it just kind of like uh, built from there. And there was so much fun stuff you could do with it. Like, so the word for I, uh, the word for I has changed a couple times, but the word for I, the one that I remember is uh, ie, right? So if you say ie, it's I. If you say ie, it's like very confident or very formal. If you say e or if you say ie, it's like, submissive right Mm -hmm. so like uh you know if somebody was like who took these cookies from the cookie jar and the little kid was embarrassed they'd say "Eh," right but Mm -hmm. if you know somebody's like who will challenge the king and somebody stands out (laughs) from the crowd and they say "Eh," you know it's like um it adds like like so it's it's uh it's a way to make the meaning of words bigger if it's a noun it's going to add plurality generally if it's a concept, it's going to add like weight to the concept. And I just kind of ran with it. And then I was like, yo, we could probably use this for uh, for our music. And the guys were like, dope. Sounds good. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I feel like that would be a lot easier to learn than English as well. Just because, you know, there's so many different words for these things in English. So I think so I made it intentionally difficult in a couple of ways. Um, so it's very hard to pronounce. It's really hard to pronounce. Uh, the and sometimes people 
Yeah, sometimes people call me out on the pronunciation, and I'm like, well, let okay, just calm down. <laughs> it's not my first language. But like, so <clears throat> each vowel in Alanea is pronounced. Each vowel in Alanea gets its own specific sound, and you try to avoid what are called diphthongs. I know it's a funny name. I don't know who named it that, but basically two vowels creating their own syllable. It's mm-hmm. so like, for example, the word the word hate is eh, e, he, eat hate but they slur together so <clears throat> in alinea you might have a word like you know um um i can't remember a single alinea word but if you had like uh an alinea word that had a e i u in the word it'd be i u i u i and you have to pronounce you have to pronounce them and a lot of the weirds are a lot of the words are smushed together so like um which would make them kind of hard to remember. So the word for like, and then, like when you're telling a story is dazatia, right? Dazatia. But dazatia is a, is, a, is a combination of two step and then the direction of forward. And I got that idea from the phrase in English, by the way. Because by the way, if you think about it, it's a really cool phrase. It mean, like it like takes your conversation, like we're having a conversation. I say, by the way, I've sort of like created this this narrative that our conversation is like walking down a path together and by the way along the path that we are walking there's something i want you to pay attention to and so does a tia like next step next step so it it could be it could be easy but i think sometimes it it could be hard and if any like i said that guy in our discord server if anybody's really good at it um it's jetfire jetfire knows his stuff wow more than me that's fascinating all right, I think that's a good place to end it. That was super fascinating. And thanks for hanging out with us and, you know, telling, giving yeah, us all of this insight about really everything. Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Yeah. Definitely really yeah. insightful. We appreciate it all. Yeah. And everyone go and check out Cardivox Academy, Kardashev. Uh, anything else you want to tell people to check out, Mark? Um, That's really it. Yeah. Cardivox Academy on YouTube. Um, That's the main place. I mean, I should be on TikTok and Instagram. I just, I just ain't got that kind of motivation. <laughs> Um, hey man, and, you gotta uh, you gotta press into just one. I think you're doing great yeah, on I YouTube, you know. So, well, good. I appreciate it. And then, yeah, Kardashev, Kardashev, anywhere you can listen to music. Um, I think I think Liminal Right probably is the best place to start. And then, if you like Liminal Right, work backwards. Um, yeah, work work backwards. But yeah, I appreciate you both having me on. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah, of fun. It was I appreciate great. It. Very insightful. All right, All right everyone. Have a great week. Uh, like we said, go and check out our new song in Purgatory out today. And we love y'all. We'll see you next week. This All is right, Copper Crap Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye, everybody.